Hi, this is Alan Ruff, the Thursday host of A Public Affair. If you have a moment and the, the resources, remember to support the station. And if you will, head over to wrtfm.org to donate and to see what else is going on at the station. Six foot six above sea level. I grab my mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio. And good afternoon. Welcome to this, the Thursday edition of A Public Affair. I'm your host for this hour. My name is Alan Ruff. In opposition to Line 5, the extension of Enbridge Corporation's tar sands oil pipeline across northern Wisconsin and Michigan, Communities United by Water, a broad-based coalition of native tribal nations, numerous environmental groups, and community organizations, has called for a 2022 celebration, a mass gathering in Ashland, Wisconsin, June 25-26. Joining us in advance of the upcoming gathering to discuss numerous issues regarding the Enbridge threats to the North Country's region's water, land, indigenous sovereignty and culture is community ad- advocate Aurora Conley. Aurora is a member of the Bad River Band and co-chair of the Anishinaabe. Anishinaabe, excuse me, I'll try that again, Anishinaabe Environmental Protection Alliance. Also with with us is a longtime social justice and environmental activist and member of Madison-based People's New Green Deal, Mark Rosenthal. So I want to welcome the both of you, Aurora and Mark, to WRT. Thanks, Al. It's great to be back. Aurora, I'd like Thank to you. start with you're more than welcome. I'd like to start with you. I'm wondering if you might begin by providing some background, perhaps some basics for our listeners <clears throat> regarding the Enbridge Line 5 pipeline project. What is the project all about and what is its current status? Uh, the pipeline, Line 5, was built through our communities. Um, back in the 1950s and 60s. Uh, and they did have um, a right-of-way associated with that. Their right-of-way recently expired, um, which brings us to today, where we're at in terms of the tribe. Um, a few years ago, the tribe, the council, um, made a choice not to renew their right-of-way. So the tribe just... Yep. Uh, rejected the renewal of the pipeline. And since then, uh, we've just been engaging in a lot of um, grassroots issues and awareness and trying to um, just bring awareness about why we don't want the pipeline in our community anymore and that we actually do have the right to reject that pipeline. Um, It's created a number of divisions even within our community. Um, even neighboring communities that are with us, some tribes have opted to renew the pipeline um, and engage in activities with the, orchid, with the pipeline and the company. Um, others, such as Bed River, has not. And uh, it's just about us in the last few years trying to gear up for what this might look like and where we're at and where we're going to end up. You know, Aurora Conley, the growing coalition that has been building in opposition to Line 5 is comprised of uh, many different groups with a diversity of concerns and interests, 
from your vantage point, what do you see as the main threats posed by the advance of the pipeline across uh, the Bad River region? Um, a number of them, it relates to water. Uh, you know, our reservation sits on South Shore Lake Superior. We have uh, miles of beach that sit on Lake Superior. We have the Cocoggin Sloughs, where our wild rice beds lay, which is also um, an internationally recognized um, environmental area. It, it just... Um, when I speak about it, I do speak in terms of the water and more specifically the wild rice. It, it goes back way beyond the pipeline. It goes beyond any kind of quote-unquote developments that may have progressed here on our reservation. Uh, we, our people migrated here thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago. And in our prophecies, we were told to continue on until we reached the food that grows on water which then we made to this area in the Apostle Islands, the Madelands, where we did find that, the wild rice. And it became our duty as Anishinaabe people to cultivate, protect, and to ensure the longevity of that rice. It's more than just um, a commodity. Um, that, that rice represents so much more than... Um, a development opportunity or an economic opportunity here. We definitely um, are an impoverished community. I, I will speak to that. Um, a majority of this area, and not just in Bad River, but even in the area Ashland County here, uh, the the rates of unemployment, the the rates of uh, poverty are really high. So. When we talk about the rice and how rich we are, we mean that on a spiritual sort of level. We see that as a gift that was given to us by the Great Spirit, and we've been taking care of that here in this region and in this area since thousands of years, thousands of years. And that's where I, I speak to because that's the most at risk here. If that rice were to be destroyed, as it's been shown um, in other regions where the pipeline has crossed or has spilled, um, it, it would be devastating to our community. And could we survive without the rice? I'm sure that we could, but it's our spiritual essence here. We have Apollo every August, the third week in August, and it's called the Monoman Celebration. And half of us are at the Powell celebrating, and the other half of the communities are in the actual rice fields doing the handwork that it takes. We cultivate that rice by hand. We care for it by hand. Our natural resources department takes very good awareness about its condition and its um, risks and things that could potentially harm it. Therefore, the pipeline. Um, we've seen a few examples of spills across the region and seeing the responses or lack of to it. And we've seen some rice fields of neighboring Ojibwe deplete and, and it, it raises much concern here. You know, in, in a, in a May article 
about the ongoing battle regarding Line 5 that appeared in the Indian country today, you were cited as saying that the river and land represent Ojibwe blood memory. Go into that a bit. Go into that a bit. What is, explain what you meant by blood memory. It speaks to the importance of that rice. That rice remembers who we are as a people. And we remember what that rice was that was given to us. Same way historical trauma has affected indigenous peoples here in the United States, in Canada, and central and southern borders, the trauma that's inflicted stays. It then becomes um, a trauma for us that we have to recover from. And whether that's an oppression on the people itself or an oppression on the people's highest, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to call them things, but our highest, uh, like how we care for the rice so much. When it's like that rice is a relative of ours, it carries things from way back traditionally. We still hand harvest it. We still, you know, carve cedar knockers to go out and cultivate that rice. We still try to keep as much tradition. Um, so that, and that's carried through Mother Earth to us and and we have to reciprocate that so and you know we are connected in those ways of keeping the memory of our ancestors and the land that has kept us alive this far it's it's that deep connection there that we carry together Um, you're listening to aurora conley uh activist with the bad river band of anishinaabe and, and the Anishinaabe Environmental Protection Alliance. We're talking today in uh, as a kind of preview or a, a, a lead up to the Communities United by Water 2022 celebration in Ashland coming up uh, next week. Aurora, in late, in late April, you were one of nine indigenous women, women leaders from various Great Lakes tribes who co-signed a detailed letter to the Army Corps of Engineers calling upon it to review and, and reject the Line 5 project described as an act of cultural genocide. Among the numerous issues, the letter endorsed by some 200 other organizations raised concerns regarding the creation of so-called man camps, uh, a, a further danger to already vulnerable uh, indigenous women and children in the region. Talk about uh, what you know about this man camps from uh, other people's uh, experiences as people, as construction workers flood into the area um, to, well, to make money to uh, themselves often, you know, working class uh, guys that, that are often hard pressed. Talk about that a little bit. Um, if I can just speak to the workforce in general, we know the difficulties. Like I had mentioned before, we are an impoverished community. Um, we struggle here 
financially as a whole, just in this region. Um, so when you talk about the man camps, we saw a lot of that happening, originating out in the oil fields, you know, out in the Dakotas, so to speak. That's where a lot of the awareness started to happen. Um, and in some of the regions in, in Canada, too, that were happening to our indigenous peoples with the setup of uh, these smaller communities to do their work um, that are either within or close to the communities and just the atrocities that happen with that influx of outside people in the community and the vulnerability of a majority of our uh, our women. The Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women organizations work really hardly. Um, they work really hard to address some of those issues uh, because from what I understand, it's... Uh, it, it, it's just really atrocious to some of the things that happen there with the women going missing or being uh, just violated on many terms. That is a big concern here. Um, as a matter of fact, as a community member, I just brought up to um, some community. I live in a very small community here in Bad River. Um, it's, it's a small little area called Birch Hill. We have six roads. There's maybe a hundred houses here, but there's a separate pipeline that runs through here. We see a lot all the time, random vehicles that are unmarked, um, you know, random people, folks, there'll be, you know, a, a truck parked out there with Texas plates that sits out there for a day, two days. And that causes anxiety. You know, one of my good friends is like, called me and said, there's a truck down there and I don't know who it is. He's been there for a while and I'm nervous. And it, it's, um, it just creates an anxiety for the community not knowing and not having some sort of connection or relationship that's been established there. And, and considering what we see happening and how many of our women are violated or go missing or aren't even looked for, at some point surrounding some of these areas, it, it, it raises a lot of concern. Um, I know in the Duluth ports that there's been a few reports that have come out from uh, an organization such as Mencasa, which is a Minnesota uh, indigenous women's advocacy group about women going missing in that region as well due to the import-export uh, business that happens in the Duluth Superior Twin Ports area, it almost stuns you and hard to believe, but you know, you hear these stories and you hear firsthand accounts of what is happening. Um, you do have to take some sort of reservations about your community there and who's being allowed into it and around it because you can obviously see that the protections for our people aren't in place. You're listening to Aurora Conley, a Bad River Band activist, community organizer. We're talking about, uh, well, Line 5, the Enbridge Project and its ramifications, its impact on, well, the nor northern tier of Wisconsin and Minnesota into Michigan. Uh, we'll be opening up the phone lines at... 2508-256-2001, extension 9, if you want to join with, with us. 
in this conversation or to comment or a question, again, 608-256-2001, extension 9. I'd like to bring our other guest who's patiently been waiting here into the conversation, Mark Rosenthal. Uh, welcome. Welcome back to WORT. Mark, Mark, you've spoken about what you see as three main and interconnected reasons why the opposition to Line 5 and Enbridge corporate power are crucial. Go into that. Talk about the three that you that you focus in on. Water, of course. Water, of course, but indigenous sovereignty and the strategic need to pull back from fossil fuel. Well, let me start, Al, by, by saying that what I want to talk about is obligations. We talk a lot about human rights, you know, the right to water, the right to education, the right to health care. I want to talk about human obligations and the obligation that we have to defend and protect the land and all things that are of it. And what Aurora has been talking about that I've learned a lot from my indigenous brothers and sisters in terms of the relationship that I have to all things that are of this world, to the sky, to the air, to fire, to water, to insects, plants, to myself as a human being. And I've learned that I have an obligation to protect that because there are forces that are threatening it in very real ways. Um, let me just describe really quickly that uh, Enbridge is a massive, powerful uh, multinational uh, extraction industry corporation. They run this pipeline that begins in Alberta, Canada, runs to Superior, Wisconsin, crosses northern Wisconsin, goes through the Straits of Mackinac, continues through Michigan back to Canada. It was built in 53. It transports 540,000 barrels of mostly tar sands oil a day. The most dirty, toxic, climate bomb oil in the world. And 95% of the um, oil there is not for use in the United States. It goes back to Canada. And uh, I wanna just, again, paint a picture. Enbridge has this violent, arrogant track record. They spend millions to create a social license. It lobbies to buy and divide communities in the way that Aurora has been talking about. It uses its money to influence and push state legislatures to criminalize nonviolent protests and opposition to its actions. And it runs these pipelines. So why should we oppose them? Well, the first one has already been talked about, and that is the threat that it poses to water, to the watershed that runs into Lake Superior, to the aquifers, to the Great Lakes. Um, and we should begin by looking at what they did with line three that ran from uh, Alberta across Minnesota just last year going to uh, Superior. Like they militarized northern Minnesota. They militarized the police. They arrested over a thousand people who tried to say no to this toxic assault. They fracked out 28 rivers, which means using horizontal directional drilling they release chemicals, toxic chemicals in unknown amounts into these rivers. They pierce three aquifers, releasing two, 280 million gallons of water. So we have to understand that the oil spilled in Wisconsin would threaten the Great Lakes and 186 waterways. Line five has already spilled 1.1 million gallons of oil in the Midwest. Their track record is very clear. The threat to water is very clear. So that's one piece of it. 
The other piece, again, Aurora's already uh, talked about, which is indigenous sovereignty. It's the fact that we have treaties that we have an obligation to honor and that the indigenous peoples by and large have expressed very clear opposition. The Anishinaabe in Northern Minnesota, this was a violation of their rights. And understand that like Enbridge and its supporters say that they have respected the wishes of the Bad River Chippewa. That's not true. They were forced to come off the reservation. They remain in the watershed. They, um, any sort of uh, spill would affect 186 waterways. They have a long history of disregard for indigenous sovereignty and they actually use an Enbridge initiative called the Opposition Driven Oppos Operational Threats, the ODOT, to track specifically indigenous opposition. Indigenous people are seen as a threat and those that aren't are simply bought off or they're experiencing the kind of poverty that forces them to participate. And lastly, and the thing that is probably closest to my heart because it's not talked about enough is that we must move away from fossil fuels for humankind to retain any hope of preventing an absolute dangerous toxic future on an overheated planet. We are facing an existential crisis with climate change. We are in a climate emergency. That means that climate change is an urgent threat to the well-being of people and all living things worldwide. We have to address it immediately. Our current trajectory of global emissions and warming puts us way above the worst uh, projections of the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And if it continues, and I'm going to say something that's going to sound wild, but it's true, it threatens the very underpinnings of civilization as we know it, that large segments of the planet will simply be uninhabitable. The UN warns of uh, basically the dislocation of 1.2 billion refugees in 30 years due to extreme weather events, uh, rising seas, famine and war. This really is a social justice issue because the people that this is going to affect are in the global south or here, pe poor people, people of color, the people who have not contributed to this problem. And I will just quote um, the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez said last April, this is a climate emergency. Delay means death. So we have an obligation to act. And I know that people are overwhelmed. They're like, well, what can I do? So I wanna tell you that what you can do if you're concerned about it is to stop line five. Here in Wisconsin, it's not symbolic, it's strategic, it's real, and we have to become organized. And I'll talk, that's what I wanna end talking about is what does it mean to organize? Why are we getting together in Ashland on the 25th? And we'll, I'm sure, come to that in a few minutes in the show. Thanks, Mark. Um, you know, you, you covered so much uh, and uh, it's a great summary because you, you touched on on so many things. You're getting, I could see Aurora on uh, virtual here and Aurora got, gave you two thum thumbs up and uh, I want to thank you as well. You know, we, the local, of course, and the global are all connected. We live on this, this some people are described as a blue marble <laughs> wheeling through space. Uh, and I want to come back to um, Aurora with 
with the local based upon something uh, you, you alluded to, Mark, um, and that is the money power uh, of Enbridge uh, in a kind of, um, well, a divide and conquer community strategy, uh, buying off, uh, um, well, just recently, for instance, an Enbridge spokesperson said uh, that an estimated $46 million will be spent with native-owned businesses and communities for the rerouting of the pipeline in, in the Bad River region. Uh, clearly, Enbridge is employing a strategy of, divide the, of dividing the community with the promise of jobs and money. Aurora, I'm curious to, to know if that has had an effect so far. Do you see impacts of that? You, you, you alluded to it earlier as well. Impacts of the money they spent, right? Or, or well, the, the the dangling the the the, the yeah, carrot I've, that is being dangled. Oh, I've definitely have have seen the divisions that they've created. It's like uh, if you were sick and someone had the medicine you needed. You would want that medicine, and and this even speaks to, you know, the national. This happening now, even with the pharmaceuticals and whatnot. But if you, if they make it seem like you you need it, and and yes, we are an impoverished community. Yes, we are, um, and they come and dangle money with all these promises. You know, the same way that the government promised us a majority of things with the treaties. Those were signed 150 years ago, and we're still waiting on some of that obligation to be met. So considering that um, we've notably been failed by corporations and the government and many others prior, it, it is definitely up to us to uphold our own values and what we might have left. And what I mean what we have left is this 126,000 acre wetland that we live in. That's what we got out of the treaty in terms of land base. That's it. Out of all the ceded territory, which includes parts of Minnesota, Michigan, and, and northern Wisconsin, that's what we have left. And, and it just feels as though we're under constant attack. So we're a small community. We're an impoverished community. We're not by far making millions and millions of dollars off gaming, and we're not making millions and millions of dollars off of our wild rice economy. They know that. We know that. We struggle every day. They play on that dangling money in front of our faces and ensuring jobs. Um, there are community members that have taken them up on them offers. Yes, they have. It's frustrating, understandable. Um, I spoke about, you know, my own cousin went to work on the pipeline and he was so heartbroken to have to tell me that because he knows that I have a strong stance and that I feel very personally um, that this is the work I was sent to do. And uh, it, it was just very frustrating and very, very disheartening. And he, I had to understand. I, I didn't want to accept that, but I just had to understand. And, you know, I will say he did get that job, and it didn't last very long. 
would you look at that? They laid him off after a few months and they never called him back. So I don't know about your promise about jobs, but I, you know, they don't speak about the longevity of the jobs. They don't speak about the types of jobs that they're being offered or anything like that. They just, you know, throw it out there. Jobs and money will give you money. And a lot of people are forced to take that. And because of the region's geographical, uh, um, you know, risks, or not risks, but the, the challenges that we face here. Uh, you know, they offered to just a number of things that I've seen over the years. You know, I know that they've called up the food shelf and offered to stock our food shelf and just in a variety of different ways to try to seduce what it feels like our community um, into allowing this anymore. I don't, I can't personally see what the benefits are, even financially. Do Does this community need a lot of things? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We would love to have a number of things in this small community that would help our people because we do face a number of challenges here, not just poverty. You know, we face the opioid epidemic that is killing a number of our peers and our people. You know, we face this, the racism. We face the environmental aspects, we face the, the the lack of jobs and opportunity here, so to speak. But for some of us, it's not enough to accept the risk that comes with the money. We cannot eat the money. We have to protect the rice and the water because this is all we have left is this land base and our people here. You're listening to Aurora Conley. Uh, give us a call if you want to get in uh, for our guests today, Aurora Conley and Mark Rosenthal. Give us a call at 608-256-2001. We have some time left. If you want to get in with a qu- quick observation, a comment, uh, feel free. Again, 608-256-2001, extension 9. Getting you know toward the end of the hour already. I don't know where the time goes. But I have a question uh, for, uh, connected questions really, uh, for both of you. The, the Communities United by Water Coalition has called for this mass turnout uh, gathering at, at Ashland next week. What is your what is your outlook, Mark? Of course, you kind of alluded to this. What is your outlook on the importance of grassroots mobilizing efforts at this point in time? Why is it important for people to turn out in Ashland and get involved in the struggle at what, whatever level? And a bigger question related to that, so there's three questions right to back to back. The bigger question is, what might it mean? What message would it send out if a global fossil fuel giant like Enbridge was not to have its way uh, in this fight? Al, I think the first thing I want to tell you is remember that the fight against the largest multinational corporation in the world, which was Exxon, to prevent them from destroying Crandon, Wisconsin, with their zinc and copper mine, that was a 26-year struggle that was defeated by the Menominee tribe, that they, they fought back and they won by creating a massive statewide coalition of people power that was a that defeated Exxon okay 
So we're going to take that example and we're going to have a gathering in solidarity with the Bad River and Red Cliff bands of the Lake Superior, Chippewa and Ashland, Wisconsin on June 25th. We gather to build relationships, to share food, music, to listen to indigenous speakers, to strategize. But the main thing we're going to do is we're going to show popular people power by showing up. Because, look, the only real tool that we have to confront organized money, to confront multinational corporations, to defront that kind of power is organized people. And it is really the force. We can only create change with our sheer numbers of people coming together, of building coalitions. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate a shared experience and relationship to water and nature and say no and understand that the government's not going to do this for us because this is about way more than just, you know, this one thing. The government will not do it. They have to be forced to do it. These corporations are powerful and it's only when people come together and they mobilize together. So I would say we have to organize, become organized, be organized. And the good thing is you don't have to do this and create it alone. There are organizations, Wisconsin 350, Sierra Club, Honor the Earth. I'm part of the Democratic Socialists of America and I work with the People's Green New Deal. Find an organization, join it and fight back. And that's how we will actually have a future for our children. That's why we're going there, to have a future for our children. Aurora, I see you have you're, you're gesturing to me. Uh, I wonder about your take on on the questions or what Mark just went into. I love that Mark spoke about the people power because I'd like to speak on um, the organization that I co-chair is the Anishinaabe Environmental Protection Alliance, um, ANIPA, is what we like to uh, call ourselves. The history on that: we weren't originally ANIPA; we were the mining committee because. As some of you may know, 10 years ago, there was a mining threat here in the Pinocchio Hills in this region in northern Wisconsin. Mining company wanted to come in and build this ginormous mine. We organized. We didn't have a lot of time. We didn't have a lot of people. We didn't have a lot of money back then either. We organized. We came together. We had people power. We made networks, and we spread that net as far as we could take it, um, which is how I got to be um, – involved with Mark and some of the work that he does down south in Madison and the great people there. So we were originally the mining committee and trying to organize and try to help the people and try to um, gather people power, like he said, because we needed it. We were, we were successful in that fight. The company backed off, you know, and then we realized that our resources here are valuable, that they, they, and when I mean they, I mean corporations, you know, dirty money makers, all these folks will continue to come and threaten our resources. So that's when we became the Anishinaabe Environmental Protection Alliance because we knew that it wasn't going to be more than just a mining company. It was going to be a pipeline company and who knows what's to come down the road. So we organized with people power and also realizing that everyone has a purpose here. Every single one of you have a purpose. Every single one of you have the power. And when we come together and we share those purposes and that power and those responsibilities, it, it really becomes a beautiful, great thing. 
you know, just me sitting here, for example, being able to be on this phone interview, it took a network of my family and my coworkers to be able to make that happen. You know, my niece, Ari, she sits with my four-month-old daughter across the street so that I'm able to come and share and speak about our people and that love that we have, uh, you know, those kinds of things. And, and for everyone to realize that not everyone's going to be able to make a difference the same way, say that I might or Mark might, but everyone has a purpose there. Everyone has a small part that you can contribute in some sort of way, whether it's art, music, uh, written word, spoken word, whether you write to the Army Corps of Engineers yourself or whether you just speak about it in your living room or whether you just listen right now and even just feel and understand where we're coming from. Say a prayer. You know, have some sort of action. That's what we call upon. And that's why I think, you know, the community's uh, program that's going to be happening next Saturday is so important for us to be able to share that, for us to be able to uh, encourage that in one another. And then that's where it becomes powerful and uplifting and that's why we work so hard to do this. You know, um, as is so often the case, right, as we get toward the end of the hour, the f- we get callers, so I want to get them in. I have two waiting. Uh, Kevin, hi, you're on the air. Hey, hi, Ellen. I want to thank you and your guests. This is a, a great show. Thank you for all this good work you're doing. Uh, one thing that has come to mind, my mind lately, thinking about uh, the disaster that's coming in the climate and the the way that the politicians and business leaders address it and the thinking about the infrastructure of our culture. And I realize the infrastructure of human culture is clean water, clean air, um, the beast being edible, um, you know. So protect the water. Thank you all very much. Thanks. I appreciate your comment, Kevin. Uh, Jim, hey, Jim, you're on the air. Bonjour, Anin. Am I on? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Bonjour, Anin. Gayash Kinejinakaz, Meskwaba Kong, Minawa, Wido Koyang, Wikoyang, and Megadi and Odem. I said I am Gayash or Siegel from the Red Cliff Tribe and also from the Eagle Clan, and Aurora is my cousin, and she posted she was going to be live on here, and she was. She said, wish me luck. Well, Aurora, you're doing really great. Um, you know, the things that you are sharing, you know, are so important to us. And what I just want to make a couple of comments on is I watched a little bit of the, the Senate um, or that special committee on the January 6th thing the other day, and it was just amazing how... All of the violence that went on during that time, yet there's still denial about it. Then I had flashbacks of the efforts in the Dakota areas a few years ago when the tribal people were there to protest and, you know, tell about their um, support for the protection of our land, of our water, of our resources, of our, you know, elders and all. And then you'd see these um, uh, people from the National Guard and other uh, law enforcement agencies that would... um, you know, spray them with um, water. They would shoot these pellets at them. And there was our elders that would be getting hit by it. And, you know, but yet we were still there. We're still there, you know, with um, 
the idea of that it's not just water, it's not just wild rice, it's not just land, it's something that's from within us, within our spirit, within our ancestors on what they decided to do and protect for the next seven generations. And it's not just for Indian people or tribal people or sovereign nations, you know, the protection of this water and this land and all of these other things connected with it are for everybody, no matter what race that they're from. So I wish that people would look at it in that terms instead of putting us up against like this big company of Enron or and whoever else it is, you know, Exxon um, <laughs> and those others. So I just wanted to share a little bit of that. Miigwech. I just want to add something really quick about DAPL. The Dakota Access Pipeline, okay, Enbridge owns 28% of that line. They're responsible for extreme paramilitary violence against people who came together nonviolently to oppose that line. That's who these people are. You know, people are defending their lives, this planet, and they are responsible for extreme just arrogance and lies. And these are the people that we are inviting into our state. And that's why people, we are saying no. I'm telling you right now, it won't happen. And they are, will be held responsible. Mark, I want to follow up very quickly because um, I'm wondering if you can, you again alluded to it earlier uh, and our, our caller Jim just raised it. And that is the criminalization of protest um the making of you know state law and federal law making it a felony to protest on oil company uh pipeline property uh and so on even if it's even if it's on say uh, uh sovereign uh, indigenous territory and and so on talk about that a little bit uh this attempt to really, by passage of such laws, uh, a kind of intimidation, really. Well, what happened here in Wisconsin is we passed what's called the criminal trespass law, which does, as you said, make it a felony to trespass on uh, energy infrastructure land and basically to criminalize any sort of protest or pushback against this kind of environmental assault. They then tried to pass what was called the riot bill, which would have actually criminalized, like if any more than three people got together and somebody did something which was considered illegal, all people in that gathering could be arrested and um, charged with like felony assault. And that bill was defeated. But this is the kind of thing that is being pushed. And really, it's just understand that there is this systematic, calculated, careful putting together of a program to use the law and the militarization of police to shut down resistance to these pipelines or extraction industry. So when Aurora was talking about the Jacobic Taconite 26-mile uh, uh, open pit mine that they tried to build, this is what is envisioned for our state, for our planet, okay? That's who these people are, and they 
will use everything at their disposal to shut down protests. And they, by and large, they buy the government. They own the Republican state legislature in our state. Absolutely. So that's an example. Right now, we have the criminal uh, trespass law. It is the law in the state of Wisconsin. There are similar laws throughout the country. Which, of course, Tony Evers signed. Yes, Tony Evers did sign it. And he didn't sign the criminal riot bill, uh, which was also passed by our legislature. Aurora, some follow-up? You can see the extremes that some of these industries are willing to go. They're ready to kill us at any cost. Divide our communities, uh, risk our health as well as their own for this money. What I think they fail to realize sometimes is that some of us are ready to die to protect it. There's there's a word here that we use, it's called Ogijida. In Ojibwe it means warrior. And a lot of us feel that in our heart. All the traumas and all the challenges and obstacles and things that have been oppressed on us you know, since 1492, we've survived. We're still here. We still are somewhat culturally intact. And if not, we're reclaiming that. We're reclaiming our land. We're reclaiming so many things. And I think that they sometimes might underestimate our power there, that love for each other, or that love for the land, that love for the water. And we, there was a, a historical marker here in Bad River that has been removed, and I'll always remember it, and I, I speak on this a lot. They've tried to kill us in so many different ways, right? Culturally, physically, uh, with the boarding school era. The, the historical marker spoke on that era, and it was one of the nuns, and she was writing to one of her higher ups, and she wrote that, Quote, they will not die, even though they had starved us, had not provided warm blankets. She seemed shocked that, you know, and she was relaying this message. They will not die. No, we won't. We're going to carry this for seven generations. Hopefully my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren will be able to race those fields still, swim in that lake, and speak on what their great-great-grandma fought for. Well, we're getting down. We have about a few minutes left. Let's give our uh, listeners uh, the information about what's going on. Uh, Mark, maybe you could run through that again, uh, what's going on in Ashland next week. uh, Or if people can't go, how they might get involved. Want to cover that, Mark, a little bit, please? Yeah, come to Ashland June 25th. There will also be activities June 26th within the communities there. Um, it's going to be all day. Uh, it's really, uh, I think it's about building communities. It is communities united by water and all are welcome and please come. Um, the other thing that you can do is to organize and be organized. So what does that do? We can't do it alone. So Madison 350 is now Wisconsin 350. Join an organization, Sierra Club, Honor the Earth, 
DSA. You know, the Women's League of uh, something, Wisconsin voters or something, they're actually incredibly active in northern Wisconsin fighting this pipeline. So, you know, there are all kinds of ways that you can do it. Find something that resonates with you. Take care of yourself, your family, your friends, your community. And we have to fight. We, we have to fight. And I'm going to end. I just want to have a warning. It's a warning, something that I'm really concerned about. Because as things, like when I talked about 1.2 billion people displaced, we are in danger of like what I would call eco-fascism, of like suddenly enclaves of sort of white power saying, okay, we've destroyed all this, so we're going to build walls and create like our own sort of borders. And we don't want that. We want a world that actually is safe and bountiful and beautiful for all people. And Aurora said it. This is a struggle that we will lay down and, you know, just our lives. And um, it's also, let me tell you, it's the right thing to do. It's just simply the right thing to do. And I can't guarantee that we'll be successful, but that's not the point. The point is that this is what it means to be a human being, to be part of this struggle. And um, I'm blessed to be able to be here and be part of what you're doing on Ward and what Aurora's doing. And she's spoken from her heart and I love her for it. And you guys, too. Thanks. Aurora, some parting words for our listeners? I just appreciate and uh, know that some of us up here are really working hard. And we need your love and we need your support. And, uh, you know, a lot of us are willing and ready to sacrifice. And uh, we're here. We've been here for a long, long, long time. And we want to continue to be here. Well, I just want to thank you ever so much. Um, I've been moved this hour, and I don't often say that on the program. That is, uh, I have, you know, from one program to the next, uh, the, the speaker sometimes uh, leaves me like, like wow. Uh, but uh, I've been moved here in, in, in a fashion that... Uh, well, it doesn't come often for me, Mark. You know me. <laughs> well, Al, you so, help mobilize this people power, and that's what Rochelle and Megan and Wart Radio and like you dedicated your life to this, and you're a brother, a comrade. Thanks. All right. Well, Mark Rosenthal and Aurora Conley, I want to thank you ever, ever so much for taking your time and for the work you do. Keep on keeping on. I want to thank Rochelle, our producer, and Megan, our engineer. Uh, I've been your host for this hour. My name is Alan Ruff, and I'll be speaking with you. No, I'm actually going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to be away for a couple of weeks, but I'll be back. I'll be back. Thank you all for listening. You're listening to WORT 89.9 FM radio in Madison. Thanks for listening, folks. 
Elemental level, low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground, another pirate station. We bring the truth to places truth has never heard before. We bring the sound communication of our tribal war. Dark vision fly by helicopters in the night. Attempt triangulation of our station in the fight. Straight from the base, deep down, no precision. High crime treason, we broadcast in sedition. Like the Wall Street morning, afternoon edition. Commandeering airwaves from unknown positions. Live and direct, becoming never pre recorded. With information that would never be reported. Disregard the mainstream, media distorted. We come and listen and supported. Live and direct, becoming never pre recorded. With information that would never be reported. Disregard the mainstream, media distorted. We come and listen. Listen and support it. Ha ha.